This is the Far Out Podcast, Episode 9. The 2020 NAM Show Blast. Brought to you by the Monsters of Rock Cruise, D'Addario Guitar Strings, Seymour Duncan Pickups, Chromacast Gig Bags, Gator Road Cases, Dunlop Guitar Accessories, Tone Pros, Rapco Horizon Proco Guitar Cables, Audio-Technica Microphones, Peterson Tutors, and the legendary Gibson Guitars. Hey there, everybody. I'm Frank Hannon, your host of the Far Out Podcast. Welcome to Episode 9. I'm calling this episode the NAM Blast, because just in a few days, I'm going to be traveling down to Anaheim, California to participate in the NAM Show. For those of you that don't know what the NAM Show is, this is a gathering, a convention of all the manufacturers of musical equipment. Any musical instrument you can think of will be on display there, and every music store in the country will be there to check it out, along with fans and like literally thousands of people walking the hallways of this convention. It's an amazing event and I'm going to be heading there Thursday through Saturday this coming week, January 15th through the 18th. 2020. The music you heard at the beginning of this podcast was a song called Into the Now. It's an old Tesla song and that was me playing it on my brand new signature model Gibson Love Dove Acoustic Guitar. I was able to work closely with the Montana Acoustic Division vision and design a guitar based off my original 70s Gibson Dove acoustic that I recorded What You Give and the love song intro on the Times Making Changes video and that was a great guitar that I lost along the way and so Gibson offered to help me recreate it and we built it out of flame maple sides and back using a thermally aged spruce top and a rosewood carved bridge that's just awesome. Honestly I've waited a long time to create a signature guitar and this one I could not be more proud of. It's a beautiful acoustic and it has the best tone of any guitar I've ever had. And I am so happy that Gibson Guitars created this in honor of Love Song that I wrote and recorded over 30 years ago. So needless to say, this is a dream come true and I want to thank Gibson Guitars for making it happen. So if you're listening to this and you happen to be in Anaheim and are going to the NAMM show, please come visit me at the Gibson Guitar booth. I'll be playing an acoustic set on Thursday and two more acoustic sets on Friday and then I'm going to be jamming with my good friend Jared James Nichols at the Seymour Duncan booth 12 noon on Saturday and then other than that I'm just going to be hanging around at Gibson the whole time so uh, come and find me and I'd love to say hi to you Far Out Okay, coming up on this podcast I've got a great interview with the Chief Merchant Officer of Gibson Guitars himself Cesar Goikian Cesar is part partners with JC and they lead a team that has fully rejuvenated the Gibson brand of guitars and have brought it to a whole new level. But before we get to the interview with Cesar, I'd like to get Jared James Nichols on the phone and have him talk about what he's doing at the NAMM show this weekend. Let's get him on the phone now. Hey, Frank. Jared James Nichols, what's happening, my brother? 
How are you, my friend? I am ready to rock and roll, man. We are live on the Far Out podcast. Thanks for joining me on this thing again, man. You've already been a guest once, but uh, we've got some exciting times coming up this week at the NAM show, my brother. I'd like to say I'm a Far Out podcast vet now. You know, this isn't my first time around. We've done this. We've been here, and we got so much to do, man. This week is going to be so much fun. We're going to be jamming at the NAM show. And there's a lot of very exciting things happening, especially for you, my friend. And uh, I'm so happy and excited about it. Well, thanks, Jared, man. You played a big role in that. So you know the news, right? You know, honestly, I didn't even really know officially that I was going to have an actual signature model guitar until yesterday, man. I, I hung up the phone and they told me, yes, it is actually official. Can you believe that, dude? You know what? I can believe that. And to me... It makes all the sense in the world, brother. I mean, we knew that from the get-go, that that was going to happen. And I'm just so happy, and I'm so excited to see this come to life. And I couldn't think of a guy more deserving and more badass than you, man. And I, I love it. And I'm happy to play a, 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 I'm a, a speckle in the role of helping that happen. And I am just so happy to see this come to alive. <laughs> oh, thanks, bro. A speckle. That's, <laughs> that's a funny word. <laughs> I'm just a little speckle in in the Frank Hannon grand plan of a signature, but you know what, dude? You deserve it, and it's awesome. And I can't wait to see it in person. <laughs> Thanks, man. So let's take the listeners back to last year. I came down to the NAM show to jam with Brian Tishy, Doug Aldrich, and Rudy Sarzo, and we did the Randy Rhodes Remembered. I was rehearsing with them, and you gave me a call and said, hey, man, I want to introduce you to my new friends at Epiphone and Gibson, and we're going to come pick you up and go get a cheeseburger. And then yep. from <laughs> from then, we just started talking. And, you know, we've always had such a great time jamming. What do we got in store this year, man? Tell everyone what you're going to be doing. Okay, so we got a ton of stuff happening, man. Obviously, you and I are going to be jamming as much as possible. I know we're going to be kicking it over by Seymour Duncan. We'll definitely be kicking it up at Gibson. Um, I'm going to be doing some shows with my trio, which is super exciting. Um, you know, I have, uh, over cause I, I use for anyone listening, I use black star amps and obviously Gibson guitars and Epiphone and Seymour Duncan. So we'll be doing performances, you know, throughout the weekend and generally just hanging out, having a good time and seeing everyone. And, you know, Nam gets so crazy cause it's just, it's just an overflow of people. So I'm just looking to have a great time hang out with my friends, and play some music. Right on. So we'll be at the Seymour Duncan booth at 12 noon on Saturday jamming. Yes. And then at some point at Gibson, I just got to look, I got to look at the craziness of the schedule, but we're going to be up there too, man. But yes, Seymour Duncan, Gibson, and wherever else we can get our hands in. Right on, man. And how's the Black Stars? They made you a killer signature amp. It's got killer tone. When we jammed at the Guitar Sanctuary in Dallas earlier this past year, your tone was just off the hook, man. Tell me a little bit more about <laughs> your Black Star amp. I am so happy about that. Yeah, that, that happened last year um, with Black Star. They, we, we came out with my signature. It's a 20-watt it's a head with a 212 cap, and it's a smaller amp but it packs such a punch. And it was so cool because I was on tour in England and I'd been working with Blackstar for years, you know, and I went there and we voiced it and we came up with the cosmetics and we came up with everything. And lo and behold, that came out last man, which is crazy that it's already a year ago. And man, I went all over the world promoting that. I went from LA to Egypt. Basically we did so much stuff. 
and it's beautiful. I love this amp. You know, I'm today. I I play it every single day. And you know, after a while, with some pieces of gear, you know, like the it wears off, or you go, oh man, you know, it's 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 good, but you know, but I really do love it. I really love it, and it's it's a part of me, and it's a staple. And you know, the guys at Blackstar have treated me so well, and it's a beautiful thing, man. Coming up on this episode of the Far Out Podcast, I've got a killer interview with Cesar. You know, you introduced me to him at NAM last year, and it turned out he was a big fan of mine and of Tesla's, and in particular my love song, which sparked the conversation with Robbie at the Acoustic Montana Division, and we built this Love Dove guitar. Cesar and the whole team at Gibson is just really rejuvenated the whole brand and the whole vibe of the artist relations man what what exactly are you doing now with gibson and epiphone and what's on the radar for you man because you are definitely one of their top guys oh i appreciate you even saying that but um with me you know like like basically everything you said the relationship's so great over there and there's so much growth and there's there's just such a communication line now that um it's a beautiful thing. And, and for me, you know, I released my Epiphone signature old glory last year at NAM, and, you know, I've been promoting that as well. And, and that's still going strong and I'm still working on that. And, you know, I, I, that's another piece of gear that I just love. And with, with my relationship with Gibson and Epiphone, it's great. And, and they've been nothing but supportive and, and really they've had my back, man. So I, I, I just love it. We haven't had any plans about really developing anything new yet because we're still riding on the old glory, but rest assured, you know, if there's a chance, we'll do something. I can see an old red in the future, bro. <laughs> yes, bro. Well, that's that's the, the next thing that we want to start talking about. And that would be, you know, that would be a direct uh, next level of, of the old glory. So, you know, there's a lot of exciting things, I think, for both of us, brother, in the future with that company. I think that it's such a beautiful time. And, you know, for me, releasing that guitar really changed my game. You know, that was a game changer for me. And, uh, and having that support system, you know, not only now, but here we are a year later, we're still talking about it. And, and I'm so excited to see this happening with the guitar that you're coming out with. It's, it's just going to be such a fun week. And I, I think that it's just going to be a blast all around. Yeah, well, I saw a video of you playing the old Red the other day, and it made the hair stand up on my arms, man. You were getting this killer, killer sustained tone. For everyone listening, please go to Jared's uh, Instagram page and uh, follow him there and check out all the killer <laughs> videos, man. I mean, you've really done a great job of doing the Instagram videos and showing people your licks, man. And uh, on this interview coming up with Cesar, you know, he talks about his love for the artist and the relationship because you know he's a musician himself which is something i found yeah. out man and that just that's such a difference when you got guys running a company like gibson and they've got music in their blood yeah it really comes into perspective right and it's not such a far reach when you can have that relationship with someone directly you know there's no there's no filler in between it really comes down to the love of the music that you know we all share and that i think is is where the passion meets you know really coming up with you know like the love dove like that's just such a cool thing and to see this come to fruition it's so awesome right on jared well hey thanks for uh picking up the phone brother and getting on the phone with me today seeing a couple days at the nam show my brother of course my friend hey thank you for having me on the podcast again i'll see you in a few days dude we'll get ready to jam you got it peace all right brother peace thank you jared james nichols one of the greatest new guitar players out today 
Coming up next, we have the interview with Cesar Goikian. But first, I'd like to tell you about my show at the Whiskey A Go Go next Friday, January 24th. Get your tickets now in advance for the Frank Hannon Band at the Whiskey A Go Go in Hollywood, California, Friday, January 24th. All right, welcome back to the Far Out Podcast. I'm Frank Hannon, your host. And right now I have the honor of speaking with the CMO and the leader of the team who has turned around the greatest guitar company in the world. We're talking about Gibson Guitars, none other than Gibson Guitars. Right now with me on the phone is Cesar Goikin. What's happening, Cesar? Hey, Frank. What's up, brother? Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, well, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. I'd like to talk about business, but first, I'd really like to let people know that you are a musician at heart, man. That's where everything starts for me, right? It's all about music. It's all about making music, playing guitar. Since I was a little kid, I, all I wanted to do was copy what my adults were doing, whether it was Tony Iommi or Jimmy Page, and then on to Flash and James Hetfield and Jerry Cantrell and Deb Mustaine and Frank Hannon. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm honored to be part of that list. Holy cow, man. Yeah, I had heard somewhere that you uh, you were playing in some cover bands while you were in college uh, studying business and stuff, but you were like in London rocking out. Is that true? Last band was we did a little bit of the club scene in London. And then when we all moved back to the States, we played the club scene in New York. But we're just happy to play. You know, we had a a long day of work, whether it was 8 to 9 p.m., and then we would get together in our rehearsal space at 10 p.m. to rehearse and get ready for whatever club we were playing on Saturday night or on a Friday night. And we were just happy to play at a place where even the back wall could be 15 feet away from where we were playing, and we were cool. We just wanted to play live. (laughs) Right on, man. And so, you know, one of the things that I read also about you is that your career has been fixing companies. And, you know, definitely you have done a great job with Gibson Guitars. One of the things you fixed was bringing it back to the musicians. And I really appreciate that, man. That's right. You know, my career has led me in a path of working with companies that got themselves in trouble for one reason or another and trying to work with those companies to put them back into into growth and into a path that was sustainable. And a lot of times it had really nothing to do with the brand or the product. It really had to do more with mismanagement or the wrong capital structure. And when the opportunity came up to do that with a company that I am most passionate about, because for me, it's not just music and the guitar, but the Gibson guitar. You know, I have about 100 guitars in my collection and 80 of which are Gibsons. And that's a 20-year project of finding everything that spoke to me. So when the opportunity came up to do this for Gibson, I was all over it. And it was a process that took around three years to uh, make happen. And it's just an absolute privilege every day that I wake up and I get to be part of the team that's turned this business around and put it back into giving the gift of music to everyone that loves guitars and that loves Gibson guitars. To me, is uh, is privilege that I don't take for granted. Well, that's awesome, man. And, you know, you mentioned the word team, and that's definitely uh, what I've noticed about you leading the team. we got a great team at Gibson, and it takes a team to make anything happen. I mean, being in a band and being in Tesla for 35 years myself, working with other bands and coaching young bands, and the team effort is definitely what it's all about. 
Without a doubt. And not, and not just us in a leadership position or leadership team, but also with all of our people in the factories, our luthiers, our artisans, our craftsmen that are making these instruments every day. And you've been to the factory, so you know how involved in a process it is to make instruments by hand. You know, hopefully soon we will be able to show that to the rest of the world through something that we're doing now uh, that will be launched when we launch Gibson TV, which will be part of the process of how we make our own instruments showcased by us. And when you look at the people that make these instruments and how dedicated they are, some of them have been there for more than 40 years. A lot of them have been there for somewhere between 20 and 40 years. I'm just very proud of that, of the team that's there in the factories making this happen. Because that's the DNA and the legacy that we have from Orville, you know, 125 years ago, starting to work out of his own workshop with his own hands and making these amazingly beautiful and incredibly sounding instruments. So it's the team at Gibson, but then it's the family of artists. It's you. It's you carrying the flag on stage. You go in the studio and you're recording and you're in search of a sound. And if we can provide that sound to you, that's success. When you go on stage and you're in search of a sound or how you want to project what you recorded in the studio, and you choose to use Gibsons, that's success. And so for me, when I look at the overall shape of sound and what share we have of that sound, I want to make sure that we create all the right conditions for success of our artists using our instruments in search of that sound and finding it. And so if, if, if we can get our family of artists, which is the way I like to refer to the artist community that works with us, we get that to grow across all generations and genres of music. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, man, that's such a blessing to have have you in that position, man. Thank you so much for feeling that way about it. You were talking about the team of, of luthiers. I've been to the both factories, both Nashville, the custom shop, and the Montana Acoustic Factory, and it just blows me away how many hands are working on those guitars, how many hands are touching them. Like there's a lady there, like you said, that's been there for 40 years and her hands are like just leather from the glue and her muscles and she bends the shape of the sides of those acoustic guitars by hand. It's amazing how much heart and soul gets put in the guitars. That's right. And and that's something that I wanted to, to showcase. I wanted to show the rest of the world and not just through the lens of other sort of media outlets that come and do factory tours. I wanted to create a real documentary series shot in 4K with real audio that really shows step-by-step how we make these instruments and how involved of a process it is. And so we're going to launch that soon. It's going to start with our USA main factory, and then season two and season three will go into the custom shop and Bozeman, Montana, where we make our acoustics. Cool, man. Well, we'll look forward to seeing that. And uh, we're also looking forward to the NAMM show this year. You know, last year is when I met you at the NAMM show. That was a lot of fun. And, you know, that was fun. That was amazing how quickly you guys put that together, which just goes to show you the teamwork and the leadership of uh, yourself and JC. Uh, tell, tell everybody real quick how f- rapidly you threw that NAMM show uh, exhibit together and how successful that was. Well, we really didn't have that much time. You think about it, we started a little bit working here and there during the summer once once we knew at the at sort of early last year that we were going to be in a position to take over leadership of the company sometime in the fall was really November one. So we really we didn't have that much time and it's not like we could call the NAM guys and say, Hey guys, we need a little bit more time, so can you postpone it by three months? We had to be there. 
and it was a it was a drop dead date and a deadline. And so JC and I spent a lot of time thinking about how how are we going to do this, and we then very quickly realized it really all starts with our guitars. We need to get our collection organized in a way that it goes back to all the classics that everybody loved and everybody wanted us to go back to and make again, and then have a a modern collection that helps us look at how do we, you know, how do we innovate, how do we lean into the future, which is that which is probably it's more about how we make the instruments and what kind of instruments we make and how are they shaped and how are they, you know, playability. And so, from my perspective personally, what I did is I just parked myself in the factories and I collected the team that today is my product development team and I said, guys, let's go back to our DNA. Let's re-engineer what we made back in the 50s and the 60s, and let's bring those specs back into an original collection. Yeah. And let's go into what our modern collection going to look like. And then in the custom shop, we said, let's go into, let's raise the bar of historical accurateness and accuracy, and let's go there with how we're going to be focusing on every detail by year of each model in our historic collection. And then let's look at where do we want to take our modern collection? And we did that. That was the way to frame it. We say, let's make sure it all starts with our guitars because there's no point in focusing on marketing or on any kind of media that we want to make. Let's just go into guitars. Let's make the best guitars that we can make, at least get the prototypes done. And let's just stay, stage them so that we can, after them, make the decision of this is the path forward. And if you think about it, Winternam, yes, we had a big display and Gibson is back and those were the headlines. But but the reason people were saying that is because we showed up with very relevant and compelling guitars. Yeah, no kidding. And showed up in a matter of weeks and put together the best exhibit there. So, yeah, so you're exactly right. The attention to detail now, it's better than ever. And my good friend Greg Golden at Bizarre Guitar in Reno, he's been selling Gibson guitars since 1974. And he told me that the Gibsons that are being made now are absolutely the best. And he has a flame top that uh, he just got in from the custom shop that he put on sale and it sold in five minutes the, his buyer was like enamored with the flame top and the woods. The woods you're using now are, are better than ever. When I visited you in Nashville last year, we were taking a tour of the factory and we were looking at the details on the headstock. And I was impressed at how you noticed one little detail on the shape of the headstock and made that change to make it perfect. That's awesome, man. I, you know, it's for a guitar That's right. guitar collector like us and guitar lovers. I mean, that attention to detail is so important. I'm a, I'm a guitar nerd. I'm a guitar guy and I'm a guitar nerd. And any, every every little detail matters, whether it's a head, the headstock and the size and the shape or where the logo positioning is or what kind of tuners we use or where are we sourcing our wood. We put together a, an actual wood procurement team with Matt scientists now that Gibson didn't have before. So that's what you're noticing now in the quality, in the wood, and how we're grading it and what goes into it. The electronics is the same thing. Uh, what kind of potentiometers we're using, the capacitors. I mean, every single thing matters, right? And if you look at those original 58s and 59s and 60s, and then out of every model where it's a Les Paul and SG and Electric Spanish and yes, those details mattered at the time. And we want to make them matter more than ever. 
Yeah. Well, that's definitely obvious, man, because Gibson is back better than ever, thanks to you and JC and the team. Let's get back to the musicians, man. I have noticed that Gibson is really supportive of the younger generation of musicians, which is awesome. There's so much talent out there. Uh, Myself, as a producer and a coach of young musicians here in California, it's great to see the uh, interaction and the new talent that's coming out. Talk about the uh, G3 program that you've got going. The G3 is the new Gibson generation group. That's why we call it the G3. And it's all about identifying those young, really young. I mean, they're ages 10 to 21. And he's really working on who are the next guitarists, both male and female, that are going to be doing what, you know, you were doing 30 years ago, 35 years ago. Who are those artists that are creating new sounds, that are shaping new sounds, that are using guitars, and, and that are getting really skilled at it? They're committed, they're dedicating the time, and, and they're actually writing music. And so we're focused on finding the next generation of talent, supporting them, working with them, making them come out to the world and showcasing them to the world, and then following their path you know, for the next 30 to 40 years. And so we just launched it, as you, as you said, and it, this is the first year, so we call it the class of 2021 because it's a two-year program and we expect them after two years that they will graduate out of the G3s and they will become major artists. Yeah. So every year we are going to find a group of 15 to 20 G3s that will be the class of that year and we will be doing a graduation ceremony normally around the summer and then off they go. Like You have an example of a young kid there called Toby Lee. Toby is not in the G3 because in our minds, He's already graduated from that, and he's now a major artist. He was a couple of months ago on stage with Joe Bonamassa at the Royal Albert Hall in London. Yeah, Toby's so, awesome, man. But then you have, yeah, you know Toby, and he's he's at, at the level of an, of any rock and blues artist at 14 years old. He was so little playing that Firebird. It was, it was so great to see, man, and hear a guy like exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. And then you have, uh, you know, 10-year-old, and there's, you know, any, any one of our G3s is just so unique and so awesome. The youngest one is Jaden Tadisiori. He's Australian. He loves SGs like you. And he's this little guy. The guitar is bigger than him. And he's just ripping and playing any thing you ask him to play and that's that's what it's all about i mean you probably you i know you get as excited because you text me the picture of your young friend too when you talk about young artists it's it's almost like a passion project for both jc and i and and for our entertainment relations team we really want to make sure that we are supercharging and firing up the next generation of guitarists. Yeah, it's so exciting to hear uh, young kids and jam with them. Uh, the last show that I did at the Boardwalk, um, I had uh, Austin Moe and JT Lux. Um, they're both like 19, 20 years old, and they, they jammed with me, and it just fired me up as an old guy. You know. Yeah. And, but th- these kids are really talented. The ones that, that I've seen in the G3 
program, they're not just playing guitars, but they're singing and writing songs, which is really the most important, as well as playing guitar, being able to write songs and sing. And yeah, yesterday uh, we were jamming in the garage. I'm going to send you a video. The other cool thing is these kids are learning and appreciating the classic rock that we love. These guys are jamming on uh, Thin Lizzy tunes, man. Uh, the boys are back in town playing all the twin guitar harmonies on their Les Pauls, and it just sounded so good. I was, yeah. I had permagrin, man. I was just grinning all day, like, you know, hearing them practice that in my garage over and over and over again. I know. I know. It's just so amazing to see that. You know, I have a 12-year-old Benjamin, 10-year-old Sebastian, and a 6-year-old Leo. And Leo now is playing piano, which is, like, I think, a great basis for them to move on to playing guitar, which he wants to do. And then my 10-year-old is, is getting really good at playing guitar, and all he wants to do is play Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath. And I was like, Sebastian, like, yes, I get it. That's what I love. Listen to this or listen to that and look at this new music. And it's like, Dad, I just want to play Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath. I was like, you know what? Amen. <laughs> hey, so for all our listeners out there and the younger generation, how do they audition or, or how do they meet people from Gibson and get their music to you to uh, check it out? Okay, that's a great question. So I would say stay tuned and monitor Gibson.com. Uh, relatively soon, we're going to be putting up the what's going to be the yearbook of our current G3s and also a form, an online form to apply and submit your videos and, and provide any information that we need to know about you. All right. I won't keep you because I know how busy you are, but I do want to talk about modern innovations and, you know, the historic line and the heritage of Gibson guitars is definitely important, but you guys are testing new ground with some modern stuff. Is there going to be some new modern uh, models at the NAMM show this year? Yeah, so so innovation is really, you know, again, it was part of us at any moment in time, right? Whether it was 125 years ago or we're in the 20s and the 30s and then on the 50s and the 60s has always been the reason we did things is because we were, you know, Gibson was on to finding new ways, new shapes, new sounds. For, for us right now, it's going to be also about how do we create a modern manufacturing business that is in celebration of craftsmanship and can bring, you know, lower price points into the hands of our fans made in USA by the same hands that make our original collection, our historic collection, our modern collections. And so that's the, that's one of our more important focuses is how do we make that happen? Because if we can create those conditions in the factory to make instruments that, you know, are have a, have different specs in the modern collection that we can give access to our fans for lower price points. And you know, we're in search for that. So yes, we're, you're going to see, a new Les Paul special in a modern collection that we're really focused on right now that's going to launch at NAM that will be at a, at a really interesting entry point. And uh, we're doing the same thing with acoustics. You saw what we started with a G45 that has uh, gained a lot of traction. We just can't make enough of them. Yeah, that's a great guitar. Right. And then we're going to be, yeah, we're going to be showing a, a couple of custom color things and things like that into a modern collection as well, applications. Cool, man. Any um, possibility of putting a Floyd Rose on an SG? That's kind of like my new thing, man. I've been going crazy with a Floyd Rose on my new song, uh, Southside, and uh, I've rediscovered the uh, the whammy bar on a different level, man. So I might hit you up about yeah. that. You do custom order stuff. I know that. So let's tell everyone about the custom order stuff. Yeah, the custom orders right now work uh, in partnership with our dealers and for the most part, right? I mean, you're you as an artist, you have access to working with us directly. But yeah, going forward, well, today you can you can place a custom order. You just go to your dealer and you design, 
you know, your dream guitar and we make it for you. Going forward, we're also going to focus on making that experience something that we can offer to all of our fans. And that those are normally made in the custom shop. And now the next level will be how do we make that easy? How do we provide that in a digital way that makes it easy for you to configure your own? That's awesome. Well, Cesar, I want to thank you so much for bringing Gibson back to the artists and taking it to a new level of greatness. And I want to thank the team and everyone at Gibson. Thanks for being on the Far Out Podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me, friend. Always a pleasure, man. This has been the Far Out Podcast, Episode 9, The Nam Show Blast. Be sure to get your advance tickets to the Frank Hannon Band Show at the Whiskey A Go Go in Hollywood, California, Friday, January 24th. We'll see you there. <laughs>